Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you uh, with us, obviously. And as we start the week off, how about an IU win on Sunday? A second Big Ten Conference win in a row. And I tell you what, from Sunday to Sunday, uh, not that this Indiana team has things figured out, not that there aren't going to be a lot of of uh, head-scratching moments the rest of the way. I'm not saying that at all. But think back from this Sunday with a somewhat convincing win over Minnesota at home uh, obviously, smack in the middle of the two Sundays, you've got the big win at home over Ohio State. But think back to the Sunday before last, uh, the loss to Penn State. And uh, just in this week, the different feeling that you may have on this Monday as opposed to last Monday about IU basketball after really what was a poor performance at Penn State and a game that IU early in the conference season needed to get, even on the road. But two wins at home and the IU faithful, I think, feeling a lot better about things. Still a long, long way to go and some big games coming up for this Indiana team as they hit the road once again. And we know how tough it is to win on the road in the Big Ten Conference. There's no question about that. But Indiana, I think for this past week, they they got it done. They did what they had to do. They beat a really good Ohio State team on the at home. Then they came back uh, to Assembly Hall on Sunday and were able to get a win over Minnesota as they would be expected to do. So a big week. Uh, the the big get there was the win over Ohio State, but uh, the way Indiana, I thought, closed the game out against Minnesota, very convincing as well. So a good week for IU basketball. We'll obviously recap all of that coming up here in just a bit. Also, we'll catch some other headlines here uh, from the weekend. There's some high school basketball stuff to chat about and some IU football news as well. A new coach coming, uh, coming to IU from another Big Ten program. And so we'll mention that here in just a few minutes as well. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. We'll have those headlines I just mentioned coming up here uh, momentarily. And then later in the hour today, it's Monday. So Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is back with us on this Monday. We'll recap the week for IU Hoops, including some chatter about the IU win over Minnesota on Sunday. And we'll take a look ahead as well, because there's some road challenges coming up for this Indiana team that will be very important as they try to build a path, a resume to uh, becoming an NCAA tournament team. And I know it's crazy. We're just coming out of the holidays, but it's almost the middle of January. Uh, A month from now, uh, we will be in the middle of February, which obviously puts us laser focused at that point on March and the NCAA tournament. And at that point, you've got a really good, but I think understanding 
of where uh, this Indiana team will be as far as the postseason goes. So it seems like that it's all just getting started or restarted as far as the Big Ten goes after the little December preview games. But uh, it's going to be a month from this time where it's it's resume time. It's go time for the NCAA tournament. So a lot to, to happen between now and then. A lot of big games to be played between now and then. But we'll chat about all of it with uh, Zach when he joins us today. Also, later in the show, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's a member of the IHSA executive board as well. He'll join me as we talk local sports. Lots to get to coming out of the weekend from a high school basketball perspective. We'll do that. Got a lot of topics to cover with Chad today, so make sure you tune in for that a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. All right, let's get into our headlines. A summary of the day's top IU in Southern Indiana sports news and uh, a number of things to chat about coming out of the win for IU. You know, a rough start really yesterday for Indiana. I thought their defense struggled early on, and it was uh, Minnesota jumping out to a five-point lead with about 15 minutes or so left in the first half of play. But Indiana's defense and, believe it or not, three-point shooting is what got him back in control of that ball game yesterday. And actually, Rob Finnessy with 12 first-half points. Uh, it was almost like Minnesota was daring him to shoot the long ball yesterday, and he squared up, and he was able to connect on a number of them. I think he was, what, 4 of 8 uh, from three-point land yesterday for 50%. So uh, big improvements from Rob Finnessy. Obviously, he hit the open shot, which was a big deal. Uh, also, the defense for IU, very good yesterday. Trace Jackson Davis, uh, what do you have, 11 points, I think, in the game, 12 maybe. Uh, one of her his lower outputs of the year, but uh, five IU players in total reaching double figures yesterday, and, and it was much more of a team approach, at least in the, the scoring column on the offensive end for the Hoosiers. But uh, a great uh, win for IU. Trace Jackson Davis, his 28th career double-double, uh, 13 points. I was off there. 13 points for Trace, 12 rebounds. Uh, Xavier Johnson, 14 points, 5 assists for him. Uh, Rob Finnessy, uh, 13 points. He had 12 of his 13 in the first half when IU needed that uh, help to come from behind, especially four assists, three rebounds from him. And then Race Thompson always hovering right near a double-double. He had 10 points, only five rebounds uh, in this one. Then Parker Stewart was the final player to reach double figures of the five. He had 12 points and three rebounds as well. So a number of good things. I thought just having that many IU players in the mix of things offensively was good. The defense better uh, once again. And uh, also turnovers. It's something we haven't chatted about as much recently related to IU as what we seem to normally do during the season. But Indiana's turnovers, this is becoming almost a trend. Uh, The last few games have went down and down and down and IU yesterday with just six turnovers in the win over Minnesota. So I think a lot of positives from yesterday, a lot of positives in general about uh, this IU program in the last week of basketball since that terrible Penn State game, which was played a Sunday ago from yesterday. And now as you look ahead in the schedule for Indiana, now 12-3 and overall, 3-2 and in the Big Ten Conference, Coming up next, a game at Iowa on Thursday night, 
and then a game the following Monday, one week from today, at Nebraska. And those two games on the road will set Indiana up for their next home game, which is the rivalry game against Purdue on Thursday, January 20th. And that game is noteworthy because not only is it a rivalry game at home and Indiana has some work to do against Purdue as far as breaking the streak of uh, losses to the Boilermakers, but right after that Purdue game, also a game at home against Michigan, followed by another home game, an opportunity to get some revenge on Penn State. So that's a big three-game home swing in the middle of the month coming up as well for Indiana before they go back on the road. So some interesting moments ahead. At Iowa will be a tough one. At Nebraska is one Indiana has to win. The Iowa game Indiana can win. Let's not misunderstand that. But at Nebraska, a game Indiana needs to win. Purdue at home, a game Indiana can win. But we know Purdue is big and good this season. Uh, the Michigan game, again at home, I think a game Indiana can win. Michigan is not the team maybe we expected heading into Big Ten Conference play, but that will be very tough. Penn State at home uh, later in the month, Indiana's got to win that ball game. So just to look ahead at some of the next oh, four, five, six games for this team, some really, really important moments coming up for the Hoosiers as well. Also, some IU football news. New coach coming to the IU staff from the Minnesota program. You don't often see coaches – uh, from within the same conference, move to another team, although it does happen. Think Kevin Wilson going to Ohio State. That's a little diff- different because obviously he was fired from his job uh, at Indiana. But uh, Chad Wilk is uh, the defensive line coach at Minnesota, and he is headed to Indiana. Uh, he's also going to have the title of linebackers coach, according to Matt Weaver of Pigs.com. So a addition to the IU staff also – in addition to the IU roster out of the transfer portal, a linebacker named Jared Casey has joined the Hoosiers after transferring out of the University of Kentucky. He played 23 games and totaled 29 tackles uh, with two for loss over the last two seasons at uh, UK. And Casey is a 6'3", 220-pound uh, player coming into the IU football program. Uh, appeared in three games and redshirted in 2019, and actually a native of Louisville, Kentucky, where he was a four-star prospect uh, and rated the number 15 outside linebacker by rivals coming out of Ballard High School across the river. So a new addition from Indiana, this former Kentucky uh, football player coming to Tom Allen and the Hoosiers as well. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. i got to remember to tell you the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. I know there's some thoughts, comments, uh, sound off on the IU win, the IU week that was with victories over Ohio State and Minnesota. You can text those to me at 502-414-1450. And don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And uh, we'd love to get uh, your comments, and you can sound off on the Hoosiers or anything with local sports, high school basketball, all the things we talk about. Feel free to send in your questions and comments, and we'll work them on the air. That number is 502-414-1450. We'll head to a commercial break and come back with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star in segment number two of this Monday program. Uh, We'll recap the IU-Minnesota game, the win for the Hoosiers. We'll talk about the big week for IU. Might even get into some of the football news as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. And joining us right now from the Indianapolis Star is Zach Osterman to talk some IU hoops with us today. And, Zach, uh, I mentioned this in segment one today, but for IU fans listening from last Sunday to this Sunday, I think probably a big and different feel about this IU team after two important wins at home. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's worth saying they are at home and, and there's still maybe some questions about this team's ability to, to win on the road. Um, I, I think you'd still, you know, I think it would still be fair to sort of, you know, want to see this team pick up, you know, it doesn't have to like go win at Purdue, but like pick up a quality win on the road. On the other hand, though, um, you know, I mean, this is a, Indiana now has played fully a quarter of its Big Ten schedule. I mean, you know, this is the time of year where I, I find myself saying a lot, it's it's not as early in the day as you think it is. And number one, you know, a, a team, a program that, you know, frankly, we have seen kind of get blown out at times on the road in the recent past um, in, in Big Ten play, just, just play, you know, frankly, some horrendous basketball on the road. That has not happened. Obviously, a couple frustrating road games, you could have won that game at Penn State. You obviously could have won the game at Wisconsin if you're Indiana. Um, but I think if you're if you're IU, you do feel like if you're an IU fan, I think you you should be allowed to feel like there is a, a level of consistency starting to be built into these performances. Where Indiana is very good at home, they've won every Big Ten home game by double digits now, and even on the road they've been competitive. They haven't always obviously kind of finished the job, but. They've been competitive. I think they're third in the conference now in efficiency margin, which is a really good sort of baseline measure of I think where a team where a team is. And I mean, if you are, you know, if you're kind of keeping score at home, they've also started to pick up some of those those wins that really make a difference come Selection Sunday, which is something that you know we all kind of talked about coming out of. The, uh, coming out of the non-conference schedule they were going to need early in conference play simply because there wasn't a lot of heft to uh, the non-conference schedule. So, you know, from, from Indiana's perspective, I think it was a good week. Um, I, I think there's reason to be encouraged. Again, the question is can you, how much do you keep building on it? You know, how do you keep kind of moving that forward, especially as you, you hit kind of an interesting stretch here where you've got, you know, two road games, different kinds of road games, but I think both of them very winnable. Then three straight at home. You know, it's, it's in my mind, it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility to go three and two over this stretch. And then you're at six and four halfway through the conference schedule. I could even see four and one. And then you've picked up some quality wins, presumably at least one on the road. In fact, it would have to be at least one on the road. And maybe the conversation really does start to shift around this team. 
talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, we've talked so much in your segments on Monday over the course of the season about the point guard struggles at times for IU. But yesterday, Rob Finnessy was four of eight from the three-point line. He took advantage of the opportunities and the looks that Minnesota was giving him. And I thought across the board yesterday, I used point guard play between Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy seemed very much improved. You know, something that, 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 that kind of snuck up on me, um, but I, I found myself talking about it with somebody the other day, and I forgive me, I don't remember who. Maybe it was even us, but I don't think so. Uh, the days are admittedly kind of bleeding together on me here. Um, <laughs> In conference play alone, and again, like I know it's only January 10th, but Indiana's played five of its 20 conference games. We have a we have a uh, based on the, the total sample we're going to get. We have a pretty good sample size now. In five conference games, Rob Finnessy's turnover rate in Big Ten play alone is only 11. percent You go to Xavier Johnson, his turnover rate in conference play alone is only 12.1. percent Um. You know, both of those guys are, are still assisting at a pretty good level. Xavier Johnson in particular is assist rate overall and his assist rate in conference play are the same thing, 32.5%. But the turnover rate has come down substantially. And I think particularly for those two guys, you know, when you talk about Indiana's turnover problems, it's a lot easier to live with. Trace Jackson Davis or Race Thompson turning it over because they get down in traffic in the post. Maybe they tried a little bit of a, you know, a handoff around the rim and it gets knocked away or something like that. Those turnovers don't tend to turn into, um, you know, what, what what coaches like to call the pick six turnovers. Those turnovers, obviously, you don't want them, but they're a lot easier to defend in transition. It's the guard turnovers, the ones that happen around the perimeter, the ones that happen where somebody makes a lazy or a miss, you know, sort of a mistimed pass. That's when you get in trouble in terms of, you know, basically allowing turnovers that turn really quickly into, to, to, you know, two-on-ones, fast-break opportunities the other way. And those have been cut down, and I think that that's been a big step forward for Indiana. Obviously, if you're Indiana, you're always going to feel good about, you know, seeing a player like Rob Finnessy get his, his three ball down. Um, you know, I think in his, in his last five games, actually, Finnessy is – uh, nine for 21 from three, which is you know a perfectly solid number, especially for a, a player, and I'm not demeaning it by any means, but a, a player that you see as kind of your first reserve. Um, if his three-point shot continues to come around that way, I mean, it's it's not hard to see him as maybe one of the best six-man type players in, in the conference, especially when you couple that to, I think we have seen him get back to his old level defensively. I thought he was fantastic defensively on Sunday against Minnesota. Um, but there's also just kind of an element of, we've talked about this in different ways. You look at Indiana's overall offensive profile, it's not stunning. They're, they're not an elite offensive team. They're not hyper-efficient, but they're pretty solid everywhere. That You know, they, they, they convert a lot of twos. They hit enough threes. You know, they shoot 35% from three. That's a good solid number. That's top 100, top 150 in the country. That'll do you fine when you've got the kind of, post play they have and the experienced guards they have you know that they draw enough fouls to get to free throw line free throw shooting i think is probably going to remain a bit of an issue all season but everything else offensively overall looks good for indiana and again i don't expect them i don't think to be an explosive offensive team but the one real drag on this team offensively is turnovers 
and it's just wasting possessions that you, you, because maybe you still aren't that, you know, super efficient offense, you don't really feel like you can afford to waste. Well, you know, that, that number keeps coming down. And if you want to talk about conference, non-conference, overall, Indiana's turnover rate this season is 19.6%, which is not very good. In five conference games, it's only 13.8%. That is a pronounced dip. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with guard play, with guys like Xavier Johnson and, and Rob Finnessy and others too, you know, Tamar Bates and, and other guys like that. Um, but I, excuse me, I think it starts with your point guards. Um, those guys just being a lot more careful with the ball, a lot smarter with, with not just how often they turn it over, but where and how and how damaging that is going back the other way. Um, if that keeps up, then, you know, you, you're talking about a team that is going to be able to win games like we've seen them win these last two where, you know, it's, it's tight, but they just kind of keep grinding and grinding. And then when it's, you know, that, that old coaching cliche of winning time, they have a level that they can go to defensively where they just can't be scored on for a good, you know, a solid five, six minutes. That's what we saw both against both Ohio state and Minnesota. That there was just like a five, six minute stretch where suddenly the opponent couldn't get a quality shot. And, and then, you, you know, they sort of they can take that and go to the other end of the floor where they're not turning the ball over and they've made enough threes to loosen things up in the post. Yesterday, Indiana, Miller Cop hit a three, I think, with about nine minutes left to put Indiana back up 51 to 49. Indiana's next 12 points were all at the rim. And I think that speaks to a basketball IQ that's developing within this team. But I think it also speaks to the idea that when this team turns it on, it can just bully bully opponents around the basket because it's got race Thompson, trace Jackson Davis, it's got guards like Xavier Johnson can get to the basket and then it can defend at an elite level. And so you do start to kind of draw up this formula that says that, that Indiana should be able to compete. Not that they're never going to lose again, not that they're not going to have some ugly nights. Everybody's got a couple ugly nights in them in conference play and big 10 play. Um, but that this is a formula they should be able to overlay onto the conference schedule and win you know, 10, 11, 12, maybe even 13 Big Ten games, depending on how they continue to improve. And obviously that puts you comfortably in the NCAA tournament. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Zach, I thought another very encouraging thing yesterday was giving Minnesota's attention to Trace Jackson Davis that so many other players stepped up offensively. Five players in double figures. We haven't seen that a lot with this team. I'm not sure we've seen it at all this season with this team, but I thought that was an encouraging note from yesterday's win as well. I think even more than that, what I would say feels encouraging is that there is a level of offensive balance. You know, we've we've seen Trace Jackson Davis go for big numbers this season. Um, you know, you think about the uh, the Marshall game. Um, I think the the other game kind of I had in mind was the the Syracuse game, where I don't think Syracuse did a ton of doubling. Certainly couldn't as that game wore on because Parker Stewart and Miller Cop were hitting all those threes. And obviously that's a double overtime game. So, you know, your numbers are always going to look a little bit better, but he had 31 and 16 in that game after 43 against Marshall. There were a couple games there. I think Louisiana might've been another one. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Northern Illinois where basically that some of those guarantee games, the coaches more or less said, we just didn't feel like we could double them because they've got guys we can't leave on the perimeter. That's not been the case, obviously at other points in, in Trace Jackson Davis's career. And I think that when you look at his numbers, you know, this year compared to last year, he's only averaging 0.3 points per game more. He's actually rebounding the ball slightly less, but he is 
much, much more efficient scoring the ball. And what that says is, number one, Indiana doesn't necessarily need him to score quite as much. You know, the Indiana can be better as a team and Trace Jackson Davis still be scoring around where he was scoring a season ago because they've got other guys that can pick up that load on a given night. And number two, he's more efficient because he's not having to score through double teams. He's not having to basically just score, you know, by any means necessary, essentially, um, because the ball can move around a little bit more. And to your point, I mean, you know, yesterday, 13 and 12, and it never really felt like he had to force things. Whereas on, on what was it, was it Thursday night against Ohio State, 27 and 12, but it still didn't feel like he was, he was forcing a lot. You know, it still didn't feel like what we saw, I think, at times last season where he just, you know, kind of, it felt like he was just, he felt like he had to make things happen because there weren't any other options. I think if you're Indiana, maybe the, the one thing you, you wouldn't complain about is, you know, basically sort of a dedicated second scorer, if you want to say, developing. Um, you know, it, I mean, that Penn State game, three other guys scored nine points. Ohio State, I think the only other Hoosier in double figures was Race Thompson. And maybe it is Race Thompson to some degree, although while I think those two play well together in the post, uh, you know, how much can your, your primary and your secondary score both be post players? I don't know. Um, like, I just don't know if it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Indiana if, like, Parker Stewart got to a place where he's averaging 12 points a game, that kind of thing. But one way or the other, it's clear that you've got the pieces around him that Trace Jackson Davis can have a day like he did Sunday where it didn't feel like, you know, there was a lot for him early. But Indiana could go somewhere else for its offense, somewhere else for a big shot. Race Thompson had some big buckets down the stretch as Indiana pulled away against Minnesota. And then at the end of the day, you can also still look up and say, well, Trace Jackson Davis had a pretty quiet day by his standards, and he still went for 13 and 11. He still had a double-double. He was still dominant on the board, or 13 and 12, excuse me. Um, and Indiana as a team, 17 assists on 27 made baskets with only six turnovers. That's a very efficient performance. It just kind of speaks to, you know, the, the dimensions this offense has added, even if it isn't maybe, you know, some of those, those Tom Green offenses that we were used to seeing that could just, just score – at an enormously efficient clip at all times. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, I, I want to switch gears for a moment on football. Uh, a couple of additions over the weekend to this IU program. You don't always see this. I mean, it's happened before, but Chad, <clears throat> excuse me, Chad Wilt from Minnesota uh, coming to join the coaching staff of Tom Allen and also an addition, uh, a linebacker coming to IU, a player from the transfer portal who was at Kentucky previously. So a few additions for IU football over the weekend. One a coach, one a player. Yeah, they actually added a, a couple, uh, two linebackers. They also, if I'm not mistaken, brought in Miles Jackson from UCLA as well as Jared Casey from Kentucky. And then um, Connor Basilak, the quarterback from Missouri, who I, I would expect to be very much kind of in that mix immediately in terms of competing for, for IU's QB1 job. Um, you know, from a transfer perspective, it's not surprising to see Indiana bolstering some things. Obviously, they've lost a few linebackers. I think they're looking maybe for, for veteran depth there as much as anything else. And, you know, I don't know if either of these guys they pick up are, are just sort of like, you know, big-time starters, you know, prominent players, but I think they're guys that Indiana will count on for, for depth on defense and on special teams. Um, again, Basilac, I would expect very much to be kind of right in that mix as a, 
uh, in terms of competing for the starting quarterback job. And then the, you know, the, the defensive coordinator hire is interesting. Um, it's, it's, he was defensive line coach at Minnesota, but before that he was at Cincinnati before that he was at West point. He's also spent some time in, in the big 10 at Maryland. Um, it certainly feels like the kind of hire where, you know, basically it, it feels like this is kind of the next step for him, Chad Wilk. Um, it, it, you know, everything about his resume and my impression is that Minnesota was, was is sorry to kind of see him go, that he did some good work there coaching D-line at Minnesota last season. Um, it just sort of seems like it's it sort of, this is kind of the natural next career step for him. I also think it's interesting the degree to which Indiana moved very quickly, you know, in terms, I think there was a, an impression that Indiana might've been caught flat footed by Charlton Warren. Uh, the announcement that Charlton Warren was leaving for UNC over the weekend, um, you know, the, the decisiveness of this move at very least suggests that Tom Allen kind of had a, a firm plan of where to go in mind um, right after it. And so, you know, it, it, you can get in trouble overrating, underrating, you know, sort of overanalyzing, underanalyzing coordinator hires. But there's a lot about it that makes sense. Again, my impression is that Minnesota, you know, is, is sad to see him go, although obviously, you know, this is basically a promotion with them being brought in to coordinate defense. Um, but if you're if you're Indiana, you know, the, the best you can do is, is move quickly, move decisively. And now I think there's obviously still one – position left open on that defense uh, because Kevin Peoples left for Missouri. It's not clear to me whether Wilt will also coach defensive line or he'll coach linebackers. John Warren coached linebackers for Indiana. But one way or another, to, to fill that, that role quickly, I think, is, is very important. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, he joins us Mondays on IU Basketball, Football, and more. Zach, great to have you back after uh, missing you last week, and uh, we'll talk with you again very soon next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll All right. Soon. Let's uh, let's go to the Thornton's text line. We've got a number of, of things I want to get caught up on. Uh, first, a couple IU things from A. Wren. He says, I think Woody should shake up the starting lineup some, only because every game it seems we start the game off uh, slow and start the second half slow, and usually with the starting five we play. That is a good point. I was wondering the same thing. Also, uh, another comment on IU uh, I think you have to give a lot of credit to the coach. Minnesota had a concrete game plan and how they wanted to win, and Woodson coached through it. And then a few other notes, uh, some local stuff. Uh, hi, Matt. This is Jeff. Why didn't Thompson and Carter play last Saturday for New Albany? Uh, what I know is Carter was sick and Thompson was unavailable. Thompson was at the game but did not play. Carter obviously was not at the game. That's all the information I have. Uh, also, another text that says, who is the new transfer for New Albany? He looked pretty good. What great is the end? His name is actually, get ready for this, his name is Future Morris. His first name is Future, Future Morris. He's a senior uh, from California, maybe by way of Louisville. He came last from Moore High School, uh, where he was only there briefly as well, but uh, will be eligible or is eligible immediately for New Albany. Made his debut in the Indianapolis Cathedral, which was a blowout loss for New Albany on Friday night, a game we broadcast here on the Big X 
Uh, hard to tell exactly what the transfer will bring to things for New Albany, but obviously he's someone that's going to get some playing time. I don't think there's any question about that. I think we got to see him in some more competitive type games to understand exactly what he could uh, bring to this New Albany team. In fact, they play tomorrow. Should be actually a tough game at Southwestern Hanover. And uh, we'll uh, probably get a better idea in, in games like that exactly where he stacks up in the lineup and what he can do. And then also, this is a good text. This is from my my good friend Kevin Graves, who I've known for many, many years. Kevin was very helpful back to me when I was a young guy and getting out to a lot of the games. And he and I made many trips to see our good friend Mike Davis uh, together when he was the head coach at Indiana. But uh, Kevin writes in that his granddaughter, Chloe Chaffin, is going to sign a volleyball scholarship later today with Rockford University. And he also included in her text, and I thought this was really neat, she's the first virtual academy student to sign an athletic scholarship since when you're on virtual, you know, now New Albany, Floyd, Greater Clark, so many school systems have a virtual program. If you're in those programs, you can't play for the high school team at whatever school in the district you live for. So she was able to earn this scholarship uh, to Rockford without playing on a high school volleyball team. And Kevin wrote that she was scouted at some different camps and and so forth. So congratulations to Chloe Chaffin. She'll sign a volleyball national letter of intent later today with Rockford University. Thanks so much for your text. The Thornton's text line always open at 502-414-1450. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, will join the show. Lots to get to. High school basketball over the weekend. We were missing the big Jeff New Albany rivalry game on Friday night. We'll talk that and much more coming up here in just a bit. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, also an IHSA executive board member with us Mondays here on the show. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. We got some uh, questions or some comments on high school basketball and things I addressed in the last segment. I love it, and keep those comments coming. doesn't just have to be IU stuff. We'd uh, love to hear from you on local sports as well. And, Chad, speaking of local stuff, Friday night for me just wasn't the same. No New Albany-Jeffersonville rivalry game to broadcast because of COVID. Matt, first of all, it seems like you always publicize the Thornton text line so buddies can call in or text you about my man beard or my man bun or my big belly or whatever else it's, it's, it's get on chat about tonight. I notice how you put that out there before our segment every time. I really appreciate it. It's that. a reminder to people, John, Bob, uh, Brian, others that might want to chime in. The list in goes on, on and yes, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, you're absolutely right. You think about this, Matt. That date is, you know, it's almost like – circling Christmas or New Year's, you know, that date seems like it's the rivalry week of most big games throughout the state of Indiana, where you had the Jeff New Albany game, which was undoubtedly the biggest rivalry in the state of Indiana, in my opinion. 
that brings a huge crowd that everybody from Jeff, everybody from New Albany knows. It's where college kids go back to school Sunday. They hit that Jeff New Albany game one last day before they're out of town. So you're always having a big uh, packed house. From an athletic director standpoint, you're just taking a bath because you can reschedule that game for a Tuesday night, and it's not the same. As you and I have both been involved in that contest, that game during the season is always a more crowded, bigger atmosphere than the sectional is at Seymour. Reason being is you have to travel to Jeff. You have to travel to New Albany. You don't have to get your car 45 minutes to drive to Seymour to watch Jeff and New Albany play. So from that aspect, you take a big hit as an athlete director. I know that you can move that game to next Tuesday, whatever else it is. It's not going to be the same. Makeup games never had the same atmosphere as a regular game. And what that does is it hampers your athletes. They're still going to make money. The department's still going to make money, not near as much. But the kids are not going to have that same atmosphere. This is no one's fault. It's just part of the deal of COVID, and it's one of those deals you have to adapt and you have to bounce back. Think about that across the river as well. You know, when you come home that Friday after that game and you're watching the news highlights to see, you know, was it as good as, did we look as good on TV as we looked in person or did we look as bad on TV as we did in person? You look across the river and you see St. X and Trinity game as well. That's another one that kind of was canceled, that the guys, it's not going to be the same when they play it again. It's, it's, and ADs took a bath on that one as well, but they're not going to make that amount of money. Again, no one's fault. But just part of COVID going on. Hopefully the kids will get to play, move forward, and advance and uh, try to learn try to get better. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, I mentioned earlier that, you know, a month from now, as far as college hoops goes, uh, we'll be in the waning weeks of the regular season and all attention on NCAA resumes and March Madness and is Mike Woodson going to lead IU to an NCAA tournament appearance in year number one. But you reminded me this morning in a text message that we are eight weeks away from boys' sectional basketball here in our state, and obviously even less than that when it comes to the girls' side. They're going to be wrapping up their regular season really later in January. So uh, where has time gone? Hard to believe we're eight weeks away from March Madness high school basketball style being in Seymour or your favorite gym in the month of March, and hopefully we've got some local teams that are ready to take us on some rides two, three, four weeks into into the postseason. Matt, in that same breath, that's nine weeks away from Selection Sunday. So, I mean, it, it's coming on us quick. And you think about this time of the year, lots of teams are playing two or three games a week here, whether it's a Friday, Saturday, whether it's a Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, whether it's a Tuesday, Friday, that the season really starts to scoop by. You've mentioned that uh, girls' sectional is coming on. That week, all the boys' high school teams generally play on that Thursday. So you, you factor that in. That's a one-game week coming in there that the season is just really winding down quick where the next couple, three weeks, I think teams really focus in on conference play. Then they really start to focus in, all right, what do we got to do to be at our best going in the sectional? And you know, as you and I know, that's a great time of the year for us, and it's something that's really knocking on the door. Yeah, absolutely. Chad, um, other things to get to with you today. I know we've got a list of stuff. Uh, Mike Woodson, I know I talk a lot about him on this show, and uh, you wanted to mention uh, what he's brought to the team from the outside looking in. You watch a lot of college basketball. You're a former coach. It's in your blood. You watch games from a different perspective than most fans and most people. But what do you see from him as the leader of, of IU Hoops in Bloomington so far as we get ready to enter the, the real heavy portion of the Big Ten schedule coming up? 
you know, you know, Matt, when you watch them, you know, there's nothing I've taken away that's like, man, they really do this well. They really do that well. You know, it's not like it's an X and O's tactician. Do they run great, great stuff? Eh, they run good stuff. Do they play great defense? Nah, they play good defense. Do they rebound great? Nah, they rebound good. But they do everything, it seems like, well, man, I can't put, put my finger on it, what pinpoint what Mike Woodson has brought to that team other than a demeanor on the sideline that has been like no other since uh, Coach Bob Knight has left Indiana. And I think that's something that it's not a demeanor of demanding or anything. It's just a, me- a demeanor of who's in charge. He's almost has that old school, maybe a Leonard Hamilton type feel of a guy over there who's been through some battles, who's seen what it takes to win. And, you know, and I know they make stuff reference of him wearing a suit, not wearing a suit and all that one. I mean, those suits that he's wearing, Matt, those aren't men's warehouse suits. He's, those are $7,000, $8,000 suits he's wearing over there that he is representing that the, the university that, one, he played for, two, he's got pride in. And I think he, you know, I think that's what he is putting these players to play with that pride, play with that passion. Because to me, Matt, the Hoosiers are really, really fun to watch. And I think a lot of that credit goes to the culture that Coach Woodson has created. All right, uh, Chad, I'm not going to hit you on this today uh, because you are on the IHSA board, and and I know that uh, this is kind of fresh, but uh, there was a letter from 52 coaches and administrators uh, sent to the IHSA about concerns uh, saying high school basketball in our state is at a tipping point. And I've not read the full the full article, the full story, the full letter even uh, to go through the particulars. It's something I'm definitely going to bring up here later this week on the show. But it basically talks about recruiting and what's going on in our state and how in many ways our state has become other states, which uh, for years you, you talk about Louisville and other places where recruiting kids just transfer and pop up on different teams. And, you know, even here in our state, I broadcast a game on Friday Friday, uh, where a school had play a, a brand new player coming out of, of uh, the holiday break. I broadcast the game on Saturday where a school had a brand new player added to the roster coming out of holiday break. And obviously some transfers are, are fine and needed and coaches and people associated with the program had nothing to do with them at all. But uh, man, transfers and recruiting and uh, so many things becoming a real point of conversation and really a point of concern in our state. And the letter pointed to Indianapolis Tech as an example. They've got a number of players, including a lot of starters, that did not play last year in the Tech program that came from other North Central Conference schools. So uh, kind of put that on the shelf. That's something that I think you and I need to unpack and talk a little bit more about in a future program. No question on it, Matt. You know, it's something that – it's changed. You know, when the state of Indiana allowed the money to follow you, I think that changed the uh, landscape a little bit of Indiana or Indiana sports that no longer you live in Charlestown's district. If you want to go to Silver Creek High School, you have to pay tuition. No, that money follows you. So you can go wherever you want to go to. There's no, which, I, which what I think and that has done in some of the smaller, some of the communities is, the days of growing up, wanting to wear, you know, that Charlestown uniform, that New Albany uniform, that Jefferson uniform, that right now it's on a tipping point and those days are, are, are numbered. And we, I think we brushed on this just a little bit last week when we talked about, you know, the new thing that you'd hear is I'm going to do what's best for my kid. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of things 
coming down that road is going to lead that way. Um, and for me, that's, you know, I've got young kids. That's a concern to me. That's something that, that worries me. It's something that worries me as an athletic director. It's something that you want to leave things better than what you got them. And hopefully um, as an, an IHSA board member, we can leave the state in a better um, position than where it is. And, and it's like anything else. Change occurs. You've got to adapt. You've got to move on with it. And it's one of those things that change occurs until you until change isn't what that person wants. So there's got to be some things that occur to it that we have to uh, look at hard and look at some, make some hard decisions and try to come up with some solutions, Matt, because it is uh, a concern. And uh, as much as anything, the displacement of an athlete who that person comes in. If Chad Gilbert comes to New Albany and is a starter, he's just taking a starter's position who may have grown up in New Albany wanting to wear that uniform. Or that may have cut a kid who's grown up in New Albany wanting to wear that uniform. So it's it's a, it's a tough situation. There's a lot of ripple effects. And it's hard for coaches. It's hard for kids. hard for parents. hard for ADs to navigate through. But it's hopefully it's something that we can uh, work our way through, make good decisions, and try to get resolved in the near future. All right. Chad Gilbert, uh, Charlestown Athletic Director, and uh, my guest here on Mondays. Chad, uh, great to catch up today. Matt, appreciate everything you do for Southern Indiana sports. Thanks for the run, and uh, stay in touch, man. I appreciate everything. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with us Mondays to kind of recap things out of the weekend and beyond, and uh, a busy week coming up. There's some high school basketball this week, and, of course, IU in action later in the week, and uh, some interesting games coming up, but two games on the road. I think one for IU at Nebraska is is a must-win type game. The other uh, a game against Iowa is, I don't know that I would call it a coin flip, but it's a, it's a winnable game for IU. Iowa's had some good moments and then there's some okay moments so far in, in Big Ten Conference play. But an interesting swing coming up because we know this team and just in general what it's like on the road in college basketball. So uh, big week, big two games ahead. I think you could probably say that about every week in the Big Ten season, in the college basketball season. Uh, but we'll be here to preview it all and to break it all down for you and to take you through every game the rest of the way for this IU basketball team. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you can always find us as a podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You can find us there and uh, listen at your convenience. And we do this show each weekday live at 11 a.m. right here on the Big X Sports Radio. Had somebody... Uh, send a text. Really cool of you talking about Mike Davis. I, too, was a huge fan and had a memorable trip to UNC Charlotte to see the IU runner-up team early in that season, pull it out in a close game, had the chance to talk with the coaches, and later shared dinner with uh, John Laskowski and from the great 70s team. So pretty neat story there from Sean. That'll wrap things up for this Monday program. Back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.